Section 6 of 11 Possible Cases by Various. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Monty Spanero. 11 Possible Cases by Various. Section 6. A Lion and Lioness by Joaquin Miller. Chapter 2. As winter came on and Egypt began to be oppressively full of tourists, it was decided that we should make our escape up the Nile and haunt the ruin of Kamar and other places until the ongoing tide set in. Once, fairly on our way, it did not take long to persuade me that she was not only gaining strength each day in body, but in soul. We had been more than a month on the Nile, a tattered palm tree here, tossing in the wind and sand, a gaunt, clay-colored camel yonder, all legs and hair, beggars, disease, despair, all around us, a land to fly from, fit place for tombs, jackals, and famishing lions. But she was stronger. There were roses in her face. Her glorious black hair had none of the dampness of death in it now, but was luxuriously sensate, with renewed life and health and possible happiness. One warm sunset, as the boat lay with its prow in the yellow sand that seemed to stretch away into infinity, she proposed that she and I should ascend to the top of the tall ruins on a hill a little distance back from the river, and there wait and watch and listen for the coming day. It was a dreadful place. I had already walked a little way out, but on seeing a shriveled black hand stretching up from the sand, I had turned back, only to stumble over the head of a mummy which I had afterward seen one of our servants gather up and take to his Arab camp for firewood. Still, we had been pent up on the boat much, and then would she not be with me? Two Arabs were taken with us to carry a bottle of water and the rugs and robes. The hill was steeper than at first seemed, and the ascent through the sand heavy. I was having an opportunity to test her strength and endurance. I might also have an occasion to test her courage before the break of morning, for as we entered between two towering columns of red granite, one of the Arabs dropped on a knee and spread his hand as wide as he could in the sand, but wide as he spread it, he could not more than half cover the fresh footprint of a huge lion. The clamor to the top was steep and hard, yet it was not nearly so steep and hard as I could have wished it, when I reflected that very likely before midnight a lion might pass that way. We found that these wonderful columns of granite were coped with great slabs of granite, these granite slabs were of astonishing breadth and thickness. 
This temple, as it is called, had probably been a tomb. I took good care to see that there were no other means of ascent to the place where we had chosen to spend the night than the one by which we had ascended. And I remember how eagerly I wished for a crowbar in order that I might break down a little of the debris so that the ascent might be far less easy for prowling beasts. But as there was nothing of the sort at hand, I dismissed the two Arabs and resolved to be as brave, if possible, as the singularly brave and beautiful woman who had come here to hear voices of desolation. The sky was rimmed with yellow, yellow to the east, yellow to the west, a world of soft and restful yellow that melted away by graduations as the eye ascended from the desert. It was like melody in its serene harmonies and awful glory. And she, at my side, partook of it all. She breathed it, absorbed it, literally became a part of it. I saw her grow and glow. Soul and body, I saw her dilate and expand till she was in absolute harmony with the awe and splendor that encompassed us. I felt that she had been in the midst of, even a part of, this tawny desolation ages and ages before. Perhaps her soul had been born here, born before the pyramids. End of section 6 Recorded by Monty Spanero